There's been a bit of trouble around NRL players of recent time. David Fafita, Nelson Asafa-Solomona, to name it but a couple. It's not unusual in rugby league circles, I'd suggest, outside of rugby league as well. But it's something that needs to be addressed and is constantly being addressed. We're joined now by Nigel Wagner, obviously former player, but heavily involved in player welfare, uh, NZRL, a general manager of football and well-being. Uh, Nigel, welcome to the programme. This is not a new issue, is it? Well, it isn't, and I think, like you said, it's not an issue that's just in um, just in rugby league. It's an issue that all sports, and I guess all communities are facing, you know, and you can go anywhere. I mean, we're coming into summer now, so I'd say there'll be a lot more people out and about in summer and, uh, you know, on any weekend in any of the any of the big cities, I guess, or even smaller towns. Um, you can see bits and pieces happening that, um, that, that, that uh, are probably uh, not what you want to see in local communities, but I guess in our environment and in our world, uh, our guys get... Um, Get scrutinised a bit differently, so we've got to make sure that we uh, we match it up with the support and the programs that we do in and around it. Why do you think specifically rugby league players attract the spotlight when they do get into strife, especially overseas on on the holiday break outside of the game? Yeah, well, I'm not too. I mean, I think I mean there's a stereotype about rugby league uh, as a game, as a player, the people involved and what have you. That's been around for a long time. I see, so that plays a part, and I think also that. Um, um, and I got told when I was in Australia that um, the longest-running soap opera on TV is rugby league. You know, and, and there's a lot of people that just um, uh, are just so passionate about the environment. Any chance they get to report on it, um, I guess also um, raise a bit of revenue for for uh, media organisations and outlets as well. But I think I think that the big gist of it is that you know people people love and I love a um, I won't call it tall property. But I guess people love a story around a profile uh, person, you know, and if it's our environment, it's, it just seems to be a bit saucier. Now, you worked in this area uh, with the Rabbitohs, didn't you? So you've been around doing it. I think the last time we spoke was also around yep. a similar situation. What, what's your drive? What's your purpose? How do you see this as being as being solved? I probably can never be solved when you're dealing with young men with a bit of money and on holiday and a bit of booze. But what, what's your primary focus, Nigel? Well, I think, well, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, last time when we were at the Bunnies, they sort of offered me this role in NRL, so I've been doing this sort of, uh, I guess, uh, more on, on than off for the last 10 or so years. Uh, but I think for me and what drives me is the fact that a lot of people that come across our environment, um, you know, 80% of our game in New Zealand is Pacific Māori, you know, across the NRL uh, environment, forty about 47% of the game is Pacific Māori, uh, actually probably a bit more, probably 57, Pacific Māori and Indigenous. You know, so there's nearly 60% of the game over there. Um, and so our game actually provides a lot of these communities with with opportunities to escape their reality, uh, come from low social areas, they come from challenges that are probably a bit unique to their world. And I think for me it's just about how do we get these guys who are given an opportunity because they, they run a bit faster or they can tackle or they can kick, how do we get them to understand how to maximise the opportunity and support them as best we can because if they can make it out of the environment and, and the environment they're in, uh, then they can take their family and their kids out. And you look at someone like Russell Packer, you know, who come out of Foxton, uh, you know, had a pretty challenging sort of upbringing um, down there and got spotted and ended up in the Warriors system, went through that environment for a while and sort of still had some uh, issues, you know, ended up at, in Newcastle, uh, got into a strife, Ended up in jail, come out of jail now. He sort of turned his life around and, you know, he's doing his master's at Sydney University at the moment. You know, did four subjects last year and got distinctions in all of them. 
you know, but not but it's not so much for us. It is for us, but also with his kids. So his kids are now he's broken that cycle, and I think for our environment, it's how do we continue to help support um, you know players that might not or people I guess in communities that might not get that support anywhere else. I'm interested in your focus on, on Pacifica families altogether, but it's not purely based on that, is it? Just because of, of the, your upbringing or the colour of your skin, it means nothing to do with it? Or is, there, is it a problem right. predominantly in those communities, Nigel? Oh, no, I don't think so. I mean, there's a lot of challenges. I mean, you know, Todd Carney, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, Jared Mullen at, at Newcastle, you know, there's a lot of guys that are sort of, uh, you know, all walks of life, and, and you see it, you know, every day in society. Like, I'm at a conference. I actually just stepped out of a conference uh, to chat to you, my man, you know, because it's been Thanks a while, it. but I'm actually I just finished presenting at this conference, and it's a drug-free sport conference um, that they've got people here from Australia and America and, and all different sports, and I was on a panel with badminton and, and athletics and weightlifting. Uh, there's people in there from hockey. I just had a chat to Sarah Uma from cycling, you know, so and, and everyone's going through the same challenges. Um, and, and we're actually helping support some of their sports um, and setting up wellbeing programs in their environment. And I think because of the scrutiny that we've had, and it seems like we've always kind of had in our environment, it's probably rushed us to set it up a bit quicker than other coaches. Uh, but I think a lot of the coaches are now starting to appreciate this, and we actually need this. And some of them have had a few dramas over the last 12 or so months that has, um, from every crisis, I guess, is an opportunity. And for them, they've got an opportunity. So... So it's right across the board, and, and I guess people come into sport for a reason. Well, how can we help them while we've, we've got them under our care? I suppose uh, Nigel Wagner joins us. He's the GM of football and uh, well-being for NZ Rugby League. It, it has to be right from the get-go, doesn't it? It has to be embryonic. You can't be the ambulance at the bottom of your cliff, if you will. Well, what programs have you got in place to, I suppose, educate more than anything uh, young players? And when does this start for you guys at NZRL? Uh, for us, it starts at uh, around the 14, 15 age group. So we start um, um, getting them to understand um, the environment they're potentially coming into, getting them to understand a bit more about themselves, a bit more about the opportunity and the environments they've come from, some of their behaviours. Um, and and it's, um, we've got quite an extensive program in the league environment where, uh, you, you know, 14, 15-year-olds, they're almost like you're, your stage one, your phase one type of engagement. And then as you go through, if you sort of get an opportunity and you get uh, picked and you continue on in the next couple of years, then we sort of take it up a notch in that, um, in the wellbeing environment as well. And and we cater, like we will go, our whole wellbeing environment, we cover areas such as uh, mental health, uh, financial literacy, um, career career education and, and study, um, transition, relocation, cultural awareness and sensitivity, respectful relationships, social media. Uh, we do the whole works. It goes forever. Uh, but it's but it's in, you know, decision-making. Uh, we've got an ethic, ethical framework uh, that we sort of um, work into the boys. We do a lot of stuff around resilience and empathy and mindfulness, you know. So it's it's quite an extensive program. And, and depending on what that group needs, uh, we tailor it to suit that audience. And if they go further, then we take it up a notch. And, and like you said, like, I think if we had done this, if we had this around maybe 10 or so years ago, maybe 15 years ago when, when a young Russell Packer was coming through, um, I think um, we actually would have helped uh, We would have helped him in his journey um, and be, be, it would have been a little bit different for him. So uh, one, of the hard, one of the biggest things in our environment is, um, is how do you measure well-being? And that's a big challenge for us because, you know, when, when partners and people want to know if it works or not, they're generally just looking at numbers. But... You know, if you sort of, I guess, stop someone from 
from um, doing something silly or doing something that they're, they're going to regret later or their family will regret. Um, there's no way you can't measure it. You know, and, you know, uh, that's a challenge for us. But in saying that, you know, I guess everyone involved is quite genuine about it. Has it improved things, though? You said you can't measure it. There are no metrics for it. But in general, looking across all of the communities and all the teams and the yeah. like, do you think it's improved? Yeah, it is. It is. And, 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 I, and I only mean some of the things you can't. And, uh, so you've got to have anecdotal and, and, and um, different types of evidence. But uh, last, in 2012, we developed a strap plan for five years, 2012-2017. And we said, well, we want to aim to have 80% of our players or 84% of our players doing something away from football. You know, whether that be doing a course, um, doing some study, doing doing um, an apprenticeship, doing work, going to uni, whatever it is. Um, and we hit we hit that target. Um, what was it 2017? You know, we sort of got up. I think they got up to 86%. You know, so um, it's, it's floating around there at the moment. So a lot of people wouldn't know that about league people. That um, someone like Jason Nightingale has been running a a small business course whilst he's been playing the last four or five years, and then when he retired, he just rolled straight into it. And it's called an elite athlete business school. He developed it himself or with, a, with a few other people. But he actually now runs small business courses to other elite athletes and other codes, the soccer, the AFL, the cricket, the basketball, um, and working around their schedules because when he wanted to study business and he went to university, they weren't flexible enough. So off the back of that, an opportunity has come up. So, but, but there's a lot of guys doing a lot of things like that. Adam Blair studying psychology. You know, I mean... Yeah, most of the people watching and play would need psychology, you know. But um, you know, maybe that's why he's studying it. But not too many people would know that side of Adam as well, you know. So, so there's a lot of guys that are doing a lot of good things off the field, and, and I guess that justifies a lot of the work we're doing. And and the NRL, um, we do the program in partnership with the NRL. So, NZRL and NRL work together. Players Association, we all sort of come together because it's an area that we know that everyone agrees on and everyone supports. Um, and everyone, and everyone is, um, is genuine about improving it. So we went from, when I started, there was three office, three people in the office at, in Sydney working in the space uh, and one or half a person at, at each of the 16 clubs. Um, so maybe 20-odd people, I guess. Um, right now we've got about, there's about 75, I think, people across our environment. Um, and I guess that, you know, people wouldn't invest in it if they didn't think it was working.